praise the Lord.
praise the Lord. Can we sing another slow song again? Dear Father, this morning we thank you that we can come into your presence once again. We know that this live stream over the internet connection might separate us hundreds of miles and probably thousands of miles. But Lord, you can connect. You're a God that can allow your spirit to bond our spirits with our fellow brethren around the world and here in Mississauga. Unite our hearts together. Bond us together, Lord. Let there be a common mindset this morning as we reach out to thee and hear your word. And please give us direction. Again, we ask in the name of your son. We remember those once again that are sick. And we ask that you'll continue to strengthen them and help them, O Lord, in their recovery process. Let your will be done in the earth, we pray, Father. In the name of Jesus, we praise, we give you thanks, and we ask your blessing on today's service and tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen, amen and amen. While we're, we're glad to be communicating over the internet again uh, this morning and how long this is going to go for I'm not sure but um, you know when you're when you're doing this these broadcasts over the internet uh, you're very particular about uh, the kind of presentation you offer and um, it means that when I make a cough uh, it can be aggravating because it can be disruptive when someone is sitting in the congregation and their phone makes all kinds of weird sounds. That is disruptive. You see it more and you pay attention to it more when it's on the internet. And someone was asking me that they said that, you know, the volume of the songs seemed to go lower uh, these past couple of days. Well, I must inform you that it's not really lower, it's that I have lowered my voice. Because after preaching for so many years, I've got an irritating throat, and if I keep singing in the worship and then preach afterwards, in the middle I probably stop and drink a gallon of water in between. And so if you hear my voice goes down, it's because I choose to bring it down and uh, when we get back into a normal setting where we can have 25 to 50 people in church, we'll have uh, two individuals helping Sister Nadine with the singing. And so it will avoid me singing. I listened to Brother Joy's uh, service uh, yesterday, and I don't have time to listen to everybody's service. I would listen to some of it, and uh, but I enjoyed, there is a young young man singing, one of the little boys singing, and he carries that whole worship service. Uh, he's got uh, songs written in front of him, but he carries the whole worship service. And I wish I was like that, uh, where my voice was concerned, that I can carry the whole worship service. I appreciate every effort that every one of our, of our brothers around the world are making to spread the gospel during these days of crisis. Um, because we are exposed to seeing each other on the internet, uh, you might see me and say, Brother Singh, um, you're very strong in your messages in that uh, you deal very harshly with certain subjects. Well, it's because you're seeing me. If you were not seeing me, I have not changed. Uh, this is what the kind of messages I preach. And the messages I preach are extemporaneous. It's a big word. You know, I never went into the dictionary and checked what that word really means. But from what I understand, it means without preparation, uh, just impromptu, you, uh, you speak uh, just on the top of your head or maybe out of the depths of your heart. And so because I do that, I... I have a tendency of wanting to listen to my own messages after a while, and you would not believe it. If no one gets edified and no one follows the, the details of the messages, preaching, and the requirements, I do. I make changes. I 
get edified. Uh, this service today, I would probably listen to this service about four times uh, before next week. I'd listen to it over and listen to it over, and I put the phone in my pocket and I listened to it, and I told one of the brothers that I got some work to be done, and while I'm doing the work, I got earphones on, and I played the message, is that we have not changed here in the local church where it comes to preaching the Word of God. And so, glad that you're listening to me, and may the Lord edify our souls. I am pleased, and today I'm looking at the... Uh, epistle of Paul to Timothy a little bit here. And recently we've had from last Wednesday, from last weekend on to this time, we have had some tremendous challenging messages. And I really appreciate the way God has helped us through all of this. And um, here Paul is writing to Timothy and he's making a statement. And I have said to you before that when Paul when Paul is writing a letter, uh, let's, it's important that we understand who the letter is for. It would be sad if I walk down the street one day and find a letter by the side of the road and pick it up and think it's addressed to me. And uh, pick it up and start to read it. And when I'm reading it, it has things inside. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, somebody was writing somebody and telling them to go somewhere and get some sort of a work done. Uh, so I start to do what that letter says. Now, that letter was not written to me. And I'm taking it out of its intention, and I'm trying to follow something that was not written to me. Well, Paul's letter was written to Timothy. And they might be good things here that we can incooperate, and they might be things that we don't need to incooperate. In Paul's letter to Timothy, he says, use no longer water, but drink a little wine for your stomach. I don't use wine for my stomach. If I have a problem in my stomach, I find there are other things in this age that I can use. As a matter of fact, I don't drink wine, period. But um, Paul told Timothy, he says, let your women learn, learn in silence. He said here, in one of the chapters, he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. He says, but your women address themselves with modest apparel, shamefacedness, and sobriety. I like that last part. But when you read this, if you're to isolate the scripture, it means only men must lift their hands in church. Women can't do that. Uh, in, I will that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands in similar manner that the women adorn themselves uh, with uh, modest apparel. In other words, they don't dress with uh, ridiculous clothes. Uh, they dress with modest apparel. They wear on modest apparel, shamefacedness, and sobriety. What I'm bringing here is that women can't lift their hands in church. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. In an environment that is mixing with the Jews and Gentiles, I guess it was necessary. Uh, there is another part where uh, Paul says that a woman should not speak in church, nor teach men, nor usurp authority over men. Now, I still believe in some of these things, but I cannot use everything Paul told Timothy and apply it to my life. But I can look at the moral principles. You see, listen to me carefully. One of the reasons why we have a Bible and the reason why we have church is not to educate us. It is not intended to educate us, but it is intended to teach us how to live a life. The Apostles' Doctrine, like we said in the last service, uh, in Acts, the second chapter, I'm going to leave Timothy just for one second here and back up to Acts, the second chapter, where... Uh, these apostles, these early church disciples, uh, they were told, to, they continued in the apostles' doctrine and in breaking of bread. It says here in chapter uh, 2 of Acts of the Apostles, after preacher, Peter preached, and he preached an amazing sermon, and he says, verse 41, And they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 
I like that. I, I like uh, when Luke, and he is using his closest estimation. I'm sure someone probably give him a figure, but he decided not to use a figure, not to use a number, but to use an approximate figure. And I like to say that many a times, if I am correct, here is what it says. If I, um, I would like to speculate, that's a word I use a lot. I can't be dogmatic about something I'm reading from an English translation of the Bible that was never written in English originally. Uh, it was translated by men that never believed my doctrine to begin with. And so the translators, I'm not here to educate you. I'm here to figure out in these scriptures what I can use to utilize to tell me how to live and tell you how to live for God today, to live for God today. And that is important. You can have your head full of knowledge. Now, here is what we did the last time. The last time I told you a scripture in Ezekiel 33, where it says, if the righteous man disobeys God's law and sin, he shall be judged. His righteousness is voided out and he'll be judged according to his sin. And if a sinful man, an ungodly man, keeps the law, he will be blessed and rewarded according to his keeping of the law. Uh, you can memorize the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You can know Hebrew and Greek, and you can add a few languages to that, Latin and Spanish. Uh, you can know all of that, and you can have all of this knowledge, because it makes someone feels good when they tell you, here is what the Greek says, and here is what the Hebrew says. And I do not have a problem with men that are learned and is helping us to understand the original, uh, what the original Greek or Hebrew says. But the original, is it really original? Uh, here's my question. And so when I'm hearing the original Greek being taught about and I hear the original Hebrew, the men who translated, there are areas in this Bible that's been tampered with and translated incorrect. And if, uh, if I can only find the areas that makes me feel like my doctrine is supported, that's not handling the word of God uh, without deceit. I cannot handle the word of God deceitfully. And I must be honest with you. There's not two ways when it says thou shalt not kill. Well, thou shalt not kill. But can I make it a little more difficult? Because if you hate your brother without a cause, without a cause, you're a murderer. Can I make it a little more difficult? Yes, I should. Jesus said, uh, he says, it has been said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But if you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, you have already committed adultery. So he did not make it a wider gate. Uh, Jesus never sat down and tried to figure the original root words uh, root uh, foundation of a word. No, he preached a simple gospel. He says, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. How difficult is that? Well, what kind of love, brother saying? What kind of love, agape? Uh, do I use filio or eros or whatever form? No, just love. What, what's so difficult about that? Love your enemies. You love yourself, love your enemies. It means don't do wrong things to them. Is the, do you need to be a rocket scientist and obey God? And that is what I'm telling you. The simplicity of Christ has been lost. And when you think about Acts, it says, And they gladly received the word, verse 41, were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly. I like that. Paul said to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for uh, glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. Uh, for us to, con to, to serve God, it demands a continuous, persistent uh, effort in searching after God. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing, seek for honor and glory and immortality and eternal life. And here, these disciples, early church disciples, when they had the Holy Ghost, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. When I'm thinking of doctrine 
and fellowship. I'm thinking doctrine here is not theological doctrine per se. Doctrine of the apostles in those days was telling people how to love the unlovable, how to do good and be charitable, how to be kind one to the another. It was telling them how not to fornicate, uh, literally, how not to be a murderer, literally, how not to worship idols, literally. It dealt with a lifestyle. And their lifestyle meant not only just theological lifestyle or theoretical lifestyle, mentally, you know, you got to do this. No, no, simple. It was a simple lifestyle. Don't go to the heathen temple. Don't worship idols. How difficult is that? Uh, you can give along. I can give you a lesson here in idolatry which takes you in circles. But how about telling you that idolatry has changed its face? And so when we're thinking of the apostles' doctrine, we're thinking about living a life. And you can be sitting here in Gospel Assembly Church, and it's important that you listen to what I'm about to say. You can listen to here, you can be a part of Gospel Assembly Church. You can memorize all the doctrines in Gospel Assembly Church. Uh, I'm a part of Gospel Assembly Church. I'm a pastor in Gospel Assembly Church. I believe in Gospel Assembly Church. I believe in the body of Christ. I really do. I believe in our doctrines. But more than the theological doctrines, I believe in a godly lifestyle. See, Christmas is coming on, and I would wait. Sister Chanry gets upset about individuals that still pay attention to pagan customs. And I told her, I said, don't convince a man against his will. He'll be of the same opinion still. And I have to wait for people to get converted in their hearts. And when God can remove the idols of the hearts uh, of their hearts, then they'll live accordingly. So here I am, I'm, I am uh, believing all the doctrines, but if I live contrary to the concept that I believe, I'm a hypocrite, and hypocrites, we are all hypocrites in different degrees, and hypocrites must be converted. Are you listening to me? We are to be converted. Hypocrites must be converted. And so when I'm thinking, I'm Gospel Assembly Church, I got all my doctrines right, I know exactly what shall happen? I was telling Brother Raleigh, maybe tomorrow I'll deal with that. I said, you know, we are dealing with a pandemic here today, and we are all uptight. We got masks. We got to wear the mask. We got to sanitize our hands. Uh, we got to do all of these things. You know, you can wear the mask, and you can follow all the principles, and you can keep church with 10 people only, and you can avoid having excessive crowds and gatherings in your home over the holiday season, but what you do in your house, you can be five or ten. What you do in your house, is it pleasing God? Or is it supporting? Are you a Catholic in disguise? You see, you can be naming Gospel Assembly Church, but you can be a Catholic in disguise. Because you can be following things that were incorporated into Christianity by the Catholic Church. Do I hear Catholics? No, a Catholic's got to be a Catholic. A Baptist has got to be a Baptist. Everyone must do their own thing. I prefer a Catholic that lives holy than a Pentecostal gospel assemblyite that lives unholy. I prefer a man out there that is living godly than you sitting here and know all the doctrines and you're living ungodly. And I'm saying that because I know that's what God will prefer also. We're taking a title and forming a denomination and an organization and claiming that we're better than everyone else does not cut the mustard like they say out in the world. What is the mustard? I don't know. But um, see, these are all, I like to find out terminologies. You understand what I'm saying? We're talking the early church lived a life. They lived a life, and that is why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, the light that we receive 
If the doctrine and the messages we receive only educate us but has nothing to do with godly living, it's a waste of time. Listen to me carefully. If a pastor gets up and he puts a lesson that does not affect a lifestyle, all it does is educate you, and you're doing an analysis of God. You're putting God under scrutiny, and you're putting a spiritual microscope on God, and you want to find out all these details. What makes you think you'd ever be able to find out? What God wants you to do is to live right. Don't follow the world. Don't hate people and, and don't follow the trend of society. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The early church, they did. They followed the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking in bread in prayers. They continued a godly lifestyle. The fear of God came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. They didn't talk about wonders and signs. They did them. Because a godly lifestyle and prayer and fasting and waiting in God can turn out beneficial. But we've got an enemy, and we call him the enemy, and he's not there trying to chop you up every effort. He's trying to undermine your spiritual standing with God. And he can turn your fasting and praying into a religious formality. He can turn your church attendance into something you gloat over, but if whatever we're doing, whether we fast and we pray or we attend church or we study the scriptures, if it's not affecting uh, or if it's not affecting a godly lifestyle, it's a waste of time. If you go to a seminary to be educated and all it does is inflate your ego and you become an arrogant preacher... You're wasting time. You wasted time going to the seminary. Paul had to undo the seminary in him. All right? <clears throat> and so we're looking for the future of this church. I don't know if we'll have people when it's all over. But the early church lived a godly life. What they did. And all that believed were gathered together and had all things common. You know what they did? They made sure... Not one person, one person having ten fridges in their house and the other one has nothing. They made sure that everybody enjoyed whatever they had together. Sounds like communism. Somebody says, no, no, no. It sounds like Christianity lived. They lived a godly life. It says, and all that believe were together. They were together, not split, not divided, not disruptive. We're living in a society. There's nothing like good news. I put on the news and uh, somebody was violating the principles of, that the premier wanted. And they, they, they said, close all restaurants. This person opened his restaurant in, on, in, in Toronto. And, and he was uh, breaking down. He was violating the principle. He got arrested. And he had a bunch of, I want to say idiots, but I'm not going to say that outside without masks because they're anti-mask. You know, people today, uh, and guess what? It's not going to stop. The moment people starts to riot and starts to protest and they feel like uh, the government and the police department are submitting to that, they'll continue to do that. The only people who would not march and parade are those that are normal. I wish some Christians would form a group and march. I want the liberty to be a Christian. I want the liberty to be normal. I, I wish some people would march, but you don't, don't go march anyways. Uh, because marching, it's just an expression. The tail, democracy, someone says, is when the tail wags the dog. We're here praying that God would help us to live godly lives, that people might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. It's the life that is important. A godly lifestyle. And so it says they had all things common. And who did not have? Here's what they did. They sold their possessions and parted their goods to all men, and every man had need. You know, Christmas is coming on, and during the Christmas season, I'm not a believing believer in Christmas. Christmas, Mass for Christ? No, I don't believe in it. 
But I believe it's a time when you can capitalize on the good nature of people and you can support some charities. It's a good time to motivate people to help some charities. Uh, some poor kids get some meals. And so sometimes I would uh, send a little gift uh, to the Young Street Mission. Sometimes I sent a heart and stroke. And you know, I, I'm a poor guy that supports charities. I went to Metro and they told me, they said, you can give $2. If you give $2 donated to the food bank, I said, I did that yesterday. They said, well, you can do it again today, but here is what you need to know. Every $2 you put, Metro puts a $2 at it. I said, would they? They said, yes. I said, put another $2. Because it's double when you do that. What are you doing? Can you use your $2? Yes. My van can do well with a wash for $2. But it isn't, isn't it good to make sure someone's got a meal on their table? Uh, so we're living in society, but here is the thing. Do we need a political situation where I got to say, well, you know, we got some poor children in the church. Can you buy them some gifts? Or can you let God touch your heart? Like they, they had on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost got a hold of them. <clears throat> they were not hoarding for their rainy day. If they were hoarding for their rainy day, the rain will come. And their, hoard, their hoarding house would be blocked. And I was telling Brother Raleigh today, I said, if you think this pandemic is bad, I said in the 1300s, uh, there was the black plague, bubonic, a plague that killed 200 million human beings. Not 10 million, not 5 million, 200 million. So when you look at the past, there was a pandemic in those early days that killed 200 million. This, this corona, uh, COVID-19, COVID-19 is kid stuff. Kid stuff to what, brother Singh? To what is coming. Because what is coming, if God will execute judgment on this world, it'll be worse than the, the bu 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 bubonic plague or the Black Plague that happened in the 1300s. So when you see this, get adjusted, get some practice. Teach your children how to deal with this and to live godly. How to cope with this because what's coming if before the Lord returns is worse than this. So let's live godly. Living godly is the paramount reason for me reading the Bible. Can you know how to live godly? Well, I got to go to school to learn how. No, no, no. You don't have to go to school. Go ask a, a normal person out there how you can live a decent life. And they'll tell you. Sometimes you're too busy learning all these theological things and learning all these details that you can't even live a simple Christian life. How difficult it is. To love your enemies, to do good, good to them that curse you, bless and curse not. And here's what they did. They sold their possessions. They cashed in their bonds and pulled out some retirement fund because saints were suffering and they give some money to charity. This is not a rich church. This assembly is not a rich church. We don't have a lot of money hoarded up somewhere. No, we barely pay our bills. And God has been good to us and we pray the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, help us to pay this month our bills that are coming in and he has helped us that up to this day we never bounced a check. Isn't God good? Can you learn to trust God? Can you of your own accord during this time when the pastor is not there forcing it on you? Make a list of all the children in the church, 10 years and under, and buy them a present. Give them something. Don't give them something that is of no value. These days, you have to be careful of what you give people. Because sometimes a gift can be useless, or sometimes it can be profitable. 
if I had, if I had four kids in my family and I'm struggling and you want to give me something, give me a gift certificate for a food store and I'd help to take care of my family. Or buy something like a shirt or something, find out from the parents what the children need, and you want to buy something for this little boy that's 10 years old, uh, you want to buy something, find out from the parents what the child can use, and make sure you're not wasting your money on some gizmo that will be destroyed in two weeks when that money could be used profitably. Are you listening to me? They sold their possessions and parted their goods to everyone that had need. That's the early church. That's what they did 2,000 years ago. They didn't have to go to college and university to learn that. They got the Holy Ghost and it motivated them to do that. That's the apostles' doctrine. Uh, the apostles' doctrine was a lively God, a godly lifestyle, it says, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple. They did not dodge a church. They did not look for a reason to stay home. They looked for an opportunity to get to church. This pandemic has made me more efficient than I was before. It has made me seen things as I've, that I've never really paid attention before. It made me look at situations in people's lives differently than I ever did before. The sinner out there has a better opportunity with me than he had before. The Baptists and the Assemblies of God and the Presbyterian and whoever organizations you belong to, you have a better opportunity than you ever had before as far as I'm concerned because I see you in a different light. I'm trying to see from God's perspective. If God did not kill you, but God gave you a fighting chance to exist, if the men of Nineveh had a fighting chance and the queen of the south had a fighting chance and they will come up in a resurrection, don't tell me a good Baptist would not come up in a resurrection. Let's get away from our high horse, our high religious horse, and start to come down to the practicality of a godly lifestyle. Amen. Let's stop glorying in our denomination Pardon say it's not a denomination. Well, it started as an organism, but it ended up as an organization. The moment you have a format and the do's and the don'ts and you start to push that on people, you're an organization. The organism is dead and an organization occupies its space. We need God in our midst. We need the life of the Holy Ghost in our midst. And so Paul is telling Timothy here in 1 Timothy in chapter 1. It's a good way, day to start this nice Sabbath. Amen. He says, uh, Paul says unto Timothy, verse 2, My son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ our Lord. And one of these days, <clears throat> if you're not accustomed to the, the message we preach, I'll show you that there are two entities in the Godhead, the Father and the Son. Don't mix them up. Don't call the Father God and call the Son the, the, fa the Father. And that is why I'm, <laughs> there are so many things I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about prayer one day. And I want to show you, like, if you're praying and says, Dear Heavenly Father, Oh Lord Jesus, you're, you're confused. Stop praying and get your understanding right. Dear Heavenly Father, you're so wonderful. Today we come before you and you know Lord Jesus. Okay, make up your mind. Won't that be something if I say, Sister Chandri, uh, Chandri, you know I want today when you go home, Nadine, uh, can you do this for me? And I'm what, talking to you, but I'm talking to Nadine at the same time. Listen, uh, we are so mixed up with emotionalism and formality and for, uh, it's funny stuff that we lose the simplicity of understanding what we need to do. And one of the reasons why I don't like to sing loud uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the service, apart from my throat, is that I make up my own words. I do. I make up my own words. You should see when my private life when I'm singing. Make up my own song. 
Make up my own worship. And when I'm finished, he said, if I had a tape, I'd tape that one because the church can use it. Can't remember the words after five minutes. That's my song to my Lord. I'm singing it to him. And that's a personal thing. I don't ever sing the same song in my private life twice because it's something that comes up with me. Uh, the groaning which cannot be uttered comes up in me. And so Paul tells Timothy, he says, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus. And he was telling Timothy to stay at that Ephesian church because it was needing help. He says, when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some. Uh, when you get in there, Timothy, charge. Don't give them a chance. Don't say, well, you know, brother, you can get up and preach. What you say is not important. You know, we have the love of Christ. Uh, we're going to trash that out in a trashing floor or some other junky thing uh, we're going to do later on. He says, um, you know, I've got to bear up with you. No, you're getting up teaching my church. Make sure you tell them simple messages of godly lifestyle. Don't bring in deep doctrines that is contrary to what we teach in the church. Because I might ask you to stop that we don't teach that in this church. Have you ever done that before? Yes, I have. If a man gets up in my pulpit and starts to teach some trinity doctrine or something contrary to what we teach in this church, it depends who it is and depends on what he's saying. I'll stop him. I say, excuse me, this is my church. We don't believe in that. Can you change the subject? I remember one time years ago, I had a young man in Guyana. He came. He believed in the oneness doctrine. He believed in the oneness doctrine. And he came and he was uh, there, spent a day with me. And he was uh, all excited. But, you know, he went and broke up a lot of churches because he was there to confuse the preachers. And he was in our Saturday night service. And there we were in church. And service was going on. And I said, um, brother so-and-so, you want to get up and preach to the church? So he got up. And you know, the Spirit of God was in that church. And Abimelech cannot court with Sarah. And that church is a true Sarah, a representative of God. A man getting up in a false doctrine who will die in the pulpit. And so he got up. He had a white pants, fancy shoes, and all of that, and he was walking up and down, coming back. I don't have a problem with uh, uh, <coughs> white pants, but if when a man wear it, you know, I, I think he's playing cricket or something. But um, he walks up and down, and he starts to fumble. His spirit would not blend with the church. And when we have a trained church, any old idiot stands in the pulpit and blends with the church. A pastor should look at his church and know what said. Well, don't have confidence in what he's got. Because his spiritual wife is courting with any person that come on in to court with it. And this man could not court with the church. He says, no, I don't think I want to preach. I don't know what to preach. And I looked at him and I said, preach oneness. I'm telling the man to preach false doctrine here in Guyana years ago in my church. And so he stood up there. And he walked again, come that side, and he made two sentences. He says, no, I can't preach. There's nothing in me that wants to preach. I can't preach. Something is hindering me. I said, well, sit. He sat, and I preached on the Godhead. Those were days where we hit the problem straight in the head. And Paul says, charge them that they teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables. They are fables that this fellowship believes in. You put a Christmas tree in your house, you believe in a fable. Don't tell people to live for God if you put that in your house. Santa Claus is a fable. Halloween is a fable. And a few others that in time I'll mention. A few other things that are fables that we should not incorporate in our churches. We, our churches, should belong to Christ, not us. When the pastor is the head of his church and Christ is not, all kinds of tomfoolery goes on in the church. We must let the church come back under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He says they teach fables and endless genealogies. Paul says, I don't know what they're doing in Ephesus. They're getting up there and teach fables. Paul planted that church. He uprooted what Apollos did. He planted it. But here were elders that were so glad that Paul was gone so they can bring in their own little apostate method and methodology and their own concept. You see, unless a preacher is saved, unless an elder is saved, he can't pastor the church in the absence of the real pastor. Are there unsaved elders? Yes. You want to hear words than that? They're unsaved preachers. And they're unsaved pastors. There are novices in office. And if I was listening to this and I'm a pastor, I'll go sit down in a corner and examine my life. You see, God gave me a message and God sent me to this fellowship in the time he sent me for a reason. That I might speak to the elect. And the majority would not believe because the majority of people build their own kingdom. I'm here to preach the gospel to the elect. Make the elect have ears to hear. And he goes on to say here, he says, with gender questions rather than godly stewardship or edifying, which is in faith, so do. He says, now the bottom line of all the commandments of God, the end of the commandment, he says, is charity. Everybody say charity. Charity does not mean you give to the poor. Charity uh, is in uh, uh, Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians, the uh, 12th chapter, 13th chapter, that we will probably look at tomorrow. But here is, we're talking about the importance of a simple godliness, simple lifestyle. And it's charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience. He says, a pure heart, a good conscience, and your faith that is not a fake up faith. You mean people in gospel assembly has fake top faith? People in every organization has a fake top fan service. I love God. Not really. I believe God is in this every service. <laughs> no, not really. You know, half of the people that say they're believers are liars. When devils believe in God, they tremble. The children of God believe and they stay home. They find a reason to miss church. To the full, even that the honey is become loathsome. But to the hungry, every bitter thing becomes sweet. There'll come a time when you wouldn't complain about this one hour service that we have. You'll be thankful to God to hear five minutes of my voice. Amen. Are you listening to me? There'll come a time you'll be anxious to listen to five minutes of my voice preaching the word of God. Then you're gloating in you're not having the regular service and the regular stuff and we're not doing the stuff. That is why when this pandemic is over, if it is ever over, we'll not go back to the way we were. This assembly is going to make some changes, and I will pray that God give me direction to make these changes. And so he says here, faith on fain, which some have swerved, turning aside unto vain jangling. At verse 6, some in the church at Ephesus have turned aside to vain jangling. Uh, why? Why they got into vain jangling? Because I know some scriptures, I want to teach the gospel. Now, I want to be a teacher, or I want to be a preacher. Preacher is a dime a dozen. You can be a preacher. You can have ten churches under you. You can have a hundred churches under you, and maybe God never called you to preach. Give me a testimony. Tell me how you got called. Tell me who sent you into the ministry. Give me a track record of how God dealt with your life and how he brought you into the ministry. I'd like to know that. I can give you mine. Before I was start from the day before I was born, God made choice. I can tell you how God called me. And you should be able to look back at your life and find out if your God called you or your mama called you or the, uh, your grandpa called you or you just occupy an office because somebody... Uh, put you in that office or 
the organization thought you're a good guy and they can use you. Because a true messenger is one among a thousand. They desire to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Paul says there are people going around in Ephesus trying to teach the church that were never called of God. He said, I like this man. He did not play any punches. He sent Timothy. He says, shake the church up. Rebuke them. Stop them. So Timothy would say, they, he would go to church and say, you know, I think there are some people here. No. He would say, Harmonius and Philetus. You're not allowed in this church to preach anything. Stop them. Well, they did that to Paul. The city threw him out. So sometimes you could be stopped from preaching contrary to the true word of God. And sometimes you could be stopped from preaching the truth. One last scripture before we close the service today. And it says here, uh, when we look at um, <clears throat> Second Timothy... In 2 Timothy, Paul says here, he talks about this great house, and we talked about that the other day. Uh, in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, uh, Paul is writing here, he says the things, verse 2, that thou hast heard of me. He says, I'm giving you, Timothy, this order, the things that you have heard of me. Don't go fabricate stuff. Don't go on the internet and see if you can find some new things. No, the things that you have heard of me, the same. Commit thou to faithful men who would be able to teach other men also. He says, and he went on and he talked about the words of uh, those that would eat this daughter canker. And then he makes a long story short because of time here today. Uh, Paul says, but in a great house there are vessels of gold and silver, verse 20. Uh, he says, um, <clears throat> back up a little. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord having this seal. The Lord knows the elect. The Lord knows those that are his. And let every man that named the name of Christ depart from iniquity is a misoperation in the church. You say God said and he didn't. You feel like this is what we need to do and God didn't. The church belongs to Christ. Don't contaminate it with all kinds of stupidity and pagan things that you pick up. Brother Goodwin told me one time, he says, don't start a trend because you feel like you ought to start a trend. Because later on, God might show you, and it's more hard, it's more difficult to give it up and to apologize. And people will think you're fickle, but it's better to save your face, to lose your face and save your soul, than to save your face and destroy your soul and them that hear you. Don't start a trend. Monkey see, monkey do. And if I start to teach a type of dancing in this church that I hop like a rooster on one foot, you'll be surprised to know how many people would copy that. Monkey see, monkey do. I don't copy anything that I see. I don't copy Paul, everything he did. I don't copy everything David did. I don't copy everything Abraham did. And coming closer to home, there are a lot of things I can copy because in my spirit, I did not feel I should. I still hope that the Holy Ghost would lead me every day. And what I call the Holy Ghost, I hope it's a genuine one, not some emotional fling. And then Paul goes on here, he says, in the great house, there are vessels of gold, silver, etc., etc. He says, um, he says uh, to Timothy, and this is the last verse, 22. He says, flee youthful lust. Anything that makes you want to lust. And today, there's all kinds of lust. You see somebody do something, somebody buy something, somebody is organizing something, you want that too. <clears throat> you see, I'm, when I go quiet, is I'm choosing what not to say at this time. Because we have the internet is loaded with all kinds of ways that the children of God can follow. And faith is undermined on a daily basis. Faith is undermined on a daily basis by the internet and all that the medical profession and the doctors 
and the entertainers and whatever the world has, it's undermining faith. And so it gives the preacher a harder time to build a church in this age when everybody's falling all kinds of things. So with me, verse 20. And if I, sorry, verse uh, 22. Everybody, flee also. Don't say youthful, say all lust. All lust. But follow after. Live godly. Follow after righteousness, not fashions, not worldliness, not ungodliness, righteousness. Say it again. Righteousness. Faith. Don't let your faith be undermined by what society does. Don't let faith be undermined by what society does. God still heals. God still heals. He still does miracles. He's not impotent. Is that he cannot heal you if you don't believe he can. And we have more unbelievers than we have believers. Because believers would all be in line listening to this message, not doing their own thing while they're listening, but their hearts are opening up to the word of God. He says, where are we? Follow after righteousness. Faith, charity, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. Peace, that passes all understanding. Everybody say peace. peace. See, when the disciples are troubled, oh God, pandemic, Jesus, there is a pandemic in this world. Uh, they, um, hundreds of people are dying, Jesus. They got to wear the mask, Jesus. Jesus said, <clears throat> peace. And then he turned to the pandemic and said, be still. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. We believe in God. And we must strengthen our faith in God. Peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for the simple instruction that you have given us today. That we can come to that place, Father, that we learn that serving you is not complicated. That when you said that you want to, we should feed your sheep, it was very simple. And the gospel is simple. And the simplicity of Christ has been complicated, Lord, by professors and doctors of the law in our day. Would you teach, help me to teach this assembly? That serving the Lord is a simple thing. And we can live for God and we can serve you. And we can live according to your principles, Father. And we can call this the Apostles' Doctrine of our day. The 21st century Apostles' Doctrine is a godly lifestyle. Help us, Father, to pursue a simple godly lifestyle. Bless our service tomorrow, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen.